This is the Forge Your Life podcast, the podcast to help you smash into purpose, wealth, health, and relationships with your host, Richard Fu. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Forge Your Life podcast. Here with your host today, Richard Fu from richardfu.com. And today, guys, I'm excited to have this guest on board. He is Jeff Woods. He, he's part of the one thing, the team that creates this amazing book that really delves into the one thing you should be focused on, which is what we talk a lot about with our clients, about our, what we call the genius zone. And they call it the one thing. Not only that, Jeff's also a former employee, transformed into an entrepreneur and also runs his own podcast, The Mentee Podcast. And I'm excited to bring you on to the show today, guys, because he's going to talk to you about his journey through, 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 not entrepreneurship, through employeeship and into entrepreneurship and how you can find your one thing. But guys, I'm not going to take the thunder anymore. I'm going to pass it over to Jeff himself. Jeff, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, Richard. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Oh, man. Excited to have you on, Jeff. And Jeff, for the people who haven't heard about you and your work, could you share a bit more about how you help people and how you actually got there? Sure. So um, I'm not some guru. I'm not some expert. I'm, I'm just like one of you. I'm a guy who has had really big dreams for my life. And for years, I struggled with believing like I could actually accomplish what I had set out in terms of my vision. Um, at the time, I was in medical device sales, which, you know, awesome job. I wore scrubs every day. I ran through hospitals. I sold a device that actually saved lives, which, you know, that's really meaningful. It was very fulfilling. And I made a good living doing it. The challenge was, and I, I'm wondering how many people are in this spot right now, where they're waking up every day, and even though things might be good, they're not fulfilled. Yes. That's where I was. And it's because I've always had this dream of owning a really big business that made a massive impact in the world and delivered real security for my family. Mm. The challenge is here I am with a really secure, lucrative corporate job. I got the golden handcuffs. I don't have a reason to make a change. Yet it was always in the back of my mind until two things happened. The first was a colleague of mine had a stroke. And at the time, he was only 35 years old which my wife and I had just had our first child. We had just bought a house. I've got real responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Realizing if something happens to me, what happens to the rest of my family? Yeah. That was really unsettling. And then next week, my company, they just need, they need to be, remain competitive in the marketplace. And as a result, they had to make an adjustment to our commission structure. Well, that resulted in me getting a 40% pay cut. Anybody, so much security, right? Right. Which anybody who has ever suffered a massive pay cut or a devastating job loss, you know how much that rocks your world. And it was at that moment that I realized that my quote unquote secure job was not so secure because I was not in control. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges and, and pain points that we all have is when we feel like we're not actually in control of where we're going. Mm -hmm. I, I heard this Jim Rohn quote, Richard, that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with which I know you've heard of. Mm -hmm. And uh, I looked at my five and asked a simple question. How many of the people that I spend time with are waking up every day owning a big business that makes a big impact that delivers real security for their family? How many people am I spending time with who are already where I want to be? Mm -hmm. The answer was zero. So I set out to change that, just to upgrade my five and very quickly ended up forming some very powerful relationships with some pretty high-level people. Um, they became my mentors. I started recording those private conversations and releasing them publicly on the Mentee podcast. And um, you know, just because I came from value, I really cared about the audience. I was able to monetize that into a six-figure business in under a year, which ultimately created the opportunity to quit my full-time job 
move my family to Austin, Texas, and start this company with Gary Keller, who is the founder of Keller Williams. It's the largest real estate company in the world. And his co-author, Jay Papazian, they wrote The One Thing. And, and now I run the company behind that. I, I run The One Thing podcast and have, um, now that The One Thing's my one thing, I've brought a team in to now run The Mentee. Oh, wow, man. That's awesome. I just love that story, Jeff. And, and talk us through this turning point of your life, right? Did that all happen within the span of like, it sounds ten like it happened. Ten months. Ten months. In ten so months. There's not much time, right, to adjust and accept and then move forward from. You know, and this is with the crazy part, Richard. I mean, I've heard so many different variations of this quote, but something along the lines of we grossly overestimate what we can do in a year, but we, we underestimate what we can do over three years, five years. Um, if you had asked me what, from the moment I pressed record for the first time, if I would have been able to quit my job, if I would have been able to actually turn that into a business alone, I would have told you you were nuts. Mm -hmm. Yet I thought really big in terms of my vision, but I acted really small. And this is something I've learned from Gary Keller. He always says you need to think big, but act small. Think big in terms of your goals. Think big in terms of your vision. Yeah. Yet start by getting very specific and taking small actions consistently because the one thing, when you do the one thing, the right thing, it topples over many things. And uh, man, has that been evident in my life. Oh, I love, and I really love what you're saying here, Jeff, because so often it's what I tell my clients too. It's like, we're not going for the mile today, we're just going for the inches, right? But I like what you're saying, and I'm going to adapt that. So it's like, you know, shoot for the mile, but go for the inches. And I think that's an awesome saying because it's so important to just do the work day in, day out. And it's about the consistency. So often yes. we're, we're driven to do the spikes, right? Yeah, I did a lot today, Jeff. I smashed it out today. I hustled. I hustled today. And then nothing happens uh, tomorrow. And then pay up. <laughs> Well, you talk about hustle, and it's, it's a very trendy word right now. People believe that they have to grind out long, long work days. And, and for some people, that works for them. Mm -hmm. However, I look to the people who are where I want to be. I look at a guy like Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. He's a titan in the real estate industry. There's nobody who has had as much success in real estate as this man in the entire world. And he personally has said that working long hours is cheating. Oh. And I watched all the heads in the room turn, like kind of cocked to the side like a puppy dog and go, what? And he <laughs> said, you can do the wrong actions. You can do the wrong activities. And if you do it long enough, you can muscle your way to a result. Mm -hmm. But it's cheating because you end up cheating yourself out of a life that's worth living. The most successful people, not just successful in terms of money or, or business growth, people who live a successful life hold themselves accountable to being as efficient, as effective, as productive as possible in a tight window of time in a day. And then they draw the line in the sand. I am out of the office at this point, and they actually go and live a life. Working long hours, hustle, that's cheating. Mm, I got to let that sit there for a bit, Jeff, because I'm like, whoa, that is like different level thinking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, let that be a testament to the power of surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm, and I love, I love what you're sharing here because you know, let's go through the steps here so that someone who might be in the position that you, know, you and I used to be in where we used to might maybe work for a corporation or someone else and you know, talk us through like, what is it that you would recommend to them if they're sitting there they're like, you know, Jeff, I don't have the security that I want in my job. 
I don't have the location freedom, right? I don't want to be trapped and tied into a desk where they can only tell me I can take Christmas off and maybe New Year's off and that's about it. Right. right? Well, what, what, do you, what would you say to yourself back then or what would you say to the person who's in that situation and they're like, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start, Jeff. Well, I got a lot of things that come to my mind. <laughs> but I, the, the first thing is you kept saying, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. My thing is start. There are a lot of people who have analysis paralysis because they do not have 100% clarity on, number one, what they want. They don't have clarity on why they're here, their purpose. They don't have clarity on what they should be doing. Mm. They do nothing. Mm. But if you do nothing, this is like picking up a trail of breadcrumbs. Until you pick up that first crumb, you can't get to the second one. You can't get to the third one. You know, Richard, you ever driven a car? No, every day. <laughs> every day. Okay, great. Um, do you have to drive? Where, where, where do you have to go the next time you get in the car? Uh, probably after this, probably go down to the swim center and go for a swim. Great. Now, when you get in your car, do you sit there and wait for all the lights to be green before you step on the gas? Usually, I don't wait for anything. I just step on the gas. <laughs> okay, and, and what happens? Do you end up hitting a red light? Yeah. Sure. Do you, are there occasional detours or traffic jams that you have to reroute? Yep. Yeah. We, we get this in principle when it comes to commuting. You never wait for all the lights to be green. You make some progress, and when you encounter resistance, you analyze it, you deal with it, and you move forward again. The people who are stuck in their job, I'll ask you the focusing question of the book. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Mm -hmm. When I was in medical sales, my income gets slashed. I witness a colleague have a stroke, and I know that I need to make a change. I need to start a business. I need to build passive income so I can wake up and choose to do my day, day job or not. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't know what business it would be in. I didn't know what I would possibly sell, but I also knew that doing nothing wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. That's when I heard that quote. All right, well, if I don't know, who are the people that would know? If I were to surround myself with the people who were already where I want to be, would they be able to help me change the way that I look at things so that maybe they'd help illuminate the path for me? So I took action on upgrading my five mm -hmm. and the path was illuminated. Now, whether or not that's the solution for you, the person who is listening to this or not, I don't know, but pick something and take action. Yeah. And then, and talk, talk us through this, Jeff. I mean, like when you first started, was the one, the, the, the one thing, the thing that you started off with first, was it always the thing that you're doing now? Is it still the thing you're doing now? Or is there times where you did something and then you realize, actually, you know what? Richard didn't work. And then it's time to let it go and go do something else. Well, well, sure. I mean, I was building the, the mentee and the business up behind it on the side while I was doing my medical job. And you scale that to a six-figure business in a year. You're like, okay, I got something here. But then this opportunity to form this company with Gary and Jay gets put on the plate. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, well, what do I do about the mentee? Mm -hmm. And I had to ask the question, you know, what are my values? What do I really want to accomplish in this life? I began with the end in mind and I worked backwards and said, what is going to be more fulfilling? What's going to get me there faster? Well, I knew that the one thing was a freaking rocket ship. And if I could be the face of that brand, are you kidding me? That's a, that's a dream. So 
that was it. But that's when Gary and Jay said, you know what? Don't just shut the mentee down. You've got something there. How can you give yourself permission to make your world so big mm. that another talented individual could step out of the audience and have everything they could possibly ever want running that business mm. or hosting that show? It's about succeeding through others. So having the right mentors along the way just helped me look at different situations in a new light mm-hmm. so that I could create opportunities for other people as well. You know, mm-hmm. for those people who are saying, I'm not sure if I'm taking the right action because I've experienced this where people, they're afraid to get into action because they're not sure if the right, it's the right action. Mm-hmm. Action is better than no action. Take action because it will inform your next move. If you, if, if you don't, if you don't get into action, you'll never get progress. Mm, and I love what you say there in the last part because it links in so well with what we talk about often is that when you're doing a plan, you know, most people think, you know, Jeff, I got to have a whole plan out before I quit my job. I've done that, that 100 steps, but like every plan, like the basketball plan, that basketball game plan, or even, sure. you know, a, a battle, the moment you, foot, you step foot onto the court, onto the battlefield, it just goes away. You throw that away because everything just goes to crap, right? And it's not what you oh, planned yeah. for. And yeah, it's like for anybody out there who's had children, they talk about birth plans. It's like step one, form a birth plan. Step two, you show up to the hospital and you throw out the birth plan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love what you say because it's all about, all you need to know is probably the next step you need to take. And then at most, maybe the step after that. But even then, you, it's always adjusting, isn't it? Well, yes and no. Uh, I think a lot of people look at just the short term. And I, Jay and I, my partner Jay and I were just mm-hmm. talking about this. People in their lives have never once been taught how to connect what they do on a day-to-day basis with a long-term goal. I'm talking five years out, 20 years out, 40 years out. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, like people can set goals for the year, but after you get past two or three years, it's really hard to set a goal and mm-hmm. feel like you're making progress toward it. So you have to learn to think differently so that you can ask the question, why am I here? What do I want to accomplish in this lifetime? What are the things that matter to me from a legacy standpoint? And to then work your way backwards to find those actions that you could take today that would ultimately march you toward a life worth living. And talk us through that then, Jeff, because I'm intrigued here, right? If it's, sure. like, if it's a long-term goal of where it is uh, beyond the five-year mark, and how do you tie that in with how you, what you do today? Talk us through that. Talk us through sure. That. Well, the first is take, take that perfectionist side out of you that says that the vision, the goal has to be right and throw it out the window because there's no way that you can know if it's going to be right or not. But there are certain things like for you, example, Richard, fundamentally, there are things that you value and things that you will not stand for that ethically don't vibe with you that just, you know, it, it wouldn't be with an integrity. It's about getting clear on what actually matters to you. And and we have a process for this called goal setting to the now. And it's something we've learned from Gary. But to ask the question, you know, someday goal, that could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, but someday, what do you want to build? And I've asked this question um, for our business when I say, all right, what do I want to build? And I got in front of a whiteboard and, um, you know, people immediately, like their gut wants to just say the answer, but to actually sit there and process it. Mm. and to think about it. This is where people face that resistance and they give up because they've never been taught how to deal with it. So when you say deal with it, what do you mean by deal with it? I mean to wrestle with it, to ask the question, to give yourself permission to not get the answer on the first sit down, to actually review it maybe on a weekly basis. 
This is a journey of discovery. It's not about the destination. It's not about like, boom, got it. Know my 20-year vision. I'm good. <laughs> That's not it. No, it's a process. Yes. Work it. But I knew, for example, that, um, and I did this two weeks ago because I felt very lost in our business with the one thing. Yeah. I got in front of the whiteboard. I spent over 10 hours over a period of a few days working on the business, casting a vision. And I realized I want to be the number one authority in the world when it comes to time how you actually control your time. I want us to be the number one corporate training company in the world when it comes to employee productivity. I want us to create a technology education platform that sells time. Like these are really big disruptive visions. They're still very generic, but I got the direction. But then I asked the question, where would we have to be in five years to feel like we're on track for that? Yeah. Well, we need to be, have a best-selling book. We need to have one of the top podcasts. We need to have, like, I start to get more tangible around it. And I work it back. What do we need to do this year? When you get to the year, it's like, oh, I know what we need to do this year. Great. What do I need to do this month? Okay, I got that. What do I need to do this week to be on track for the month? You know, this is what we call goal setting to the now. And what's interesting is I'm actually working with uh, a group of people right now going through this process. We're testing and tweaking things because we're going to launch a membership platform around this in a few months. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to executives who have multi-million dollar corporations who are in this. And I'm talking to employees. We've got the whole mix. Mm -hmm. To get on the phone with them and to hear them say, I've heard about this for 20 years, but never in my life have I ever been so clear. Never in my life have I ever felt like I actually had control of my time. Hmm. Never in my life have I ever had this level of confidence that not only I could set a goal, but that I actually believe I can get it. When you surround yourself with the right people and you get access to their ideas, their systems, their models, you stop reinventing the wheel. Yes. And that's when things get exciting. Hmm. And I sit here, Jeff, I'm like, I love what you're saying in that it's all about the time. Right. And, and only recently I put up a, this post on Facebook saying, you know, you know, I'm at like a, I forget what I said. I, I'm at a crossroads guys. It's like, what matters most? And I want to ask you this question here, Jeff, if, if you're all about, if your vision is create a business and a company that can sell time, then what's important most to you? Is it time? Is it money? Or is it health? Which one would be most important? Well, so the, so I'll, I'm going to answer it in a different way yeah. on page one fourteen of the book we have what's called the seven circles. It's the seven most important areas of your life. And I'll list them off for you guys. Mm -hmm. Spirituality, physical health, personal, meaning the things that make you happy, your relationships, your job, your business, and your finances. And you can self-assess how you're doing in every single one of those areas. What is going to be most important to you is just that. What's most important to you? This is about how do you begin to make meaningful progress in those areas of your life. The mistake that I made for five years before partnering with Gary and Jay was that I tried to take action in all the areas at once. Mm -hmm. And I made meaningful progress in none of them. But when I came here and Jay said, if you could only pick one to focus on first, what would it be? And I said, well, I really need to focus on business. I really need to focus on my health. I really need to focus on some personal stuff. And I really need to focus on a, on a mindfulness practice. So call that spiritual. I need four areas. And he said, but if you could only pick one, what would it be? I said, well, I, I, I need to do business and I need to do um, a, a relationship. And he goes, but if you could only pick one. I'm like, Jay, I think I can do two. He said, but if you could only pick one. He said, look, bro, if you want to stay in business with us, you have to live the book. Pick one. Mm -hmm. So I did. 
I chose business because I just moved my family halfway across the country. I needed to make sure that the business got up and running. Otherwise, I was out of a job. Yeah. And for 66 days, which is on average how long it takes to form a habit, not 30 days, not 28 days, 66, I, formed on a spe- I, I focused on doing a specific action every day that if I could just do that, it would make everything else easier or unnecessary for my business mm-hmm. until it became a habit, meaning it no longer required thought. It no longer required discipline. It no longer required willpower. It barely required, required effort. Mm-hmm. I just now do it. Then I got to focus on that relationship habit until it was a habit. Then I got to focus on that physical health habit. Then I got to focus on that spiritual habit. And all of a sudden, I fast forward a year, and I have been stacking power habits, whereas five years previous, I formed none. Think big, act small. You can have everything you want in life if you will first and foremost narrow your focus down to what matters most first and knock that first domino down. Mm Jeff, man, I'm, I'm like, every time you talk, man, I'm all, I'm falling more and more in love with you, man. Cause I'm just like, everything you say is amazing. Right. And well, it, it just makes sense. I, I appreciate it. And let this just again, be a testament to surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, today is we're, we're in the middle of 2017 at the time of this recording. And the day that I pressed record for the first time for the mentee was January 13th, 2013. So we're now talking, we fast forward a series of years, but just a few years, not a lot, just a few years. The person that I am today versus the person I was then is night and freaking day. And it's just because I have been so hyper conscious and focused on who I allow in my world, the media that I allow in my world or lack thereof, the books that I consume, the podcasts I listen to. I have, I have become critical of what I allow in my mind. And, and as a result, I'm now able to share ideas that have been shared with me. Mm. And would you say, Jeff, on that journey, it's a lot of it was you learning actually to say no to more things. Hell yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. This is one of the biggest challenges that people have when it comes to um, life in general, but specifically with the one thing is – for whatever reason in society, we have developed the habit, and make no mistake, it is a habit, of saying yes to everyone else around us. Mm. We feel like we need to respond to our emails as fast as possible. We feel like when we have a text message, we need to acknowledge it. When there is a phone call, we need to either answer it or return that voicemail as fast as possible. When someone stops by our desk and says, hey, do you got a minute? We feel like we need to say yes. When our boss asks us to do something, we just say yes. We say yes to the world around us. The challenge is what we don't realize is that we have unintentionally formed the habit of saying no to ourselves every single day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the shift. When I look at my mentors, when I look at the people who achieve an extraordinary level of success, Steve Jobs said this, a thousand yeses or, or, or a single yes must be defended by a thousand no's. Whoa. When it came to product development, when he came back into Apple as CEO for the second time around, he started kiboshing projects. He got hyper clear on the ones that mattered most and everything else was a threat. Hmm. My very first interaction with Gary Keller ever I was sitting in one of his masterminds. It was the top 20 agents in the world were in the room. And I'm sitting in the back row listening. 
And I remember somebody asking him a question about what his most important work was. And he looked in the room and he said, you. He said, my one thing is to do everything I can to make sure that every single one of you is as successful as possible. And anything that takes my focus away from that is a threat. Now, keep in mind, I had just moved my family to Austin. And he's saying this, and I'm realizing, uh-oh, I'm actually a threat to his focus. I just moved here to partner with the guy. Yeah. But to understand how the most focused individuals in the world, the lens that they see that world through, they're clear about what their one thing and everything else comes second. Hmm. And, and it's kind of like they know that one thing. They know what we call like that genius zone, and they stay in that. They don't want to step outside of that and they get other people. And that's probably why I'm guessing Gary got you is yeah. to fill in those gaps. Yeah. Um, I've heard him say that at any point in time in your life, if you feel like you're hitting up against a ceiling, mm-hmm. you're missing a person. As a business owner or as a manager, as an executive, you're missing a person in the form of an employee or a contractor. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're missing a person in the form of a mentor or a coach. But any point in time you feel like you're butting up against that ceiling of achievement that you have for yourself, you're missing a person. Now, of course, we talk about, oh, we'll just bring people in to run that. You know, if you have disposable income, if you have a profitable business, you can do those things. What do you do for the person who's the employee stuck in the cubicle who's paycheck to paycheck saying, I'm hitting up against my ceiling of achievement. I don't have the money to hire an assistant. I don't have the money to hire a coach. Mm. What do I do? Go find a mentor. Go upgrade your five. Go surround yourself with the right people. You know, we tell ourselves this story mm. that it takes money to do these things. Make no mistake about it. Money helps. I've had money and I have not had money. Mm. Money makes it easier. No question. But the relationships that I made, those, some of the most powerful mentor relationships I've ever had, never required an exchange of money. Mm. It required me to get vulnerable and to take a leap of faith, to approach someone that I couldn't understand why they would ever talk to me. I doubted myself if they would talk to me. I doubted what I could say that would make them interested in me. I doubted how I could possibly make it worth their time. Mm. I wasn't clear. I didn't have that clarity. But I took action anyways, and I approached them. And in that moment, I didn't try to spit off my resume or try to make them interested in me. Instead, I flipped it, and I showed interest in them. Yeah. I got vulnerable. I told them, like, you, you started this conversation today. What was the first thing you said to me? Um, I really appreciate you taking your time out for this. You said, you said thank you. Because I know you've been following me for a while and you've been hearing, like, I always start with gratitude. Hmm. When Jay Papazan was speaking at my national sales meeting, and I'm sitting in the back row two weeks after launching the Mentee Podcast, listening to this guy knock me out of my chair with such powerful thoughts and ideas, I know I need to upgrade my five. And here is this guy on stage in the same room blowing my mind. Hmm. And I realized I have to be, I have to talk to this guy. I have to form a relationship with him. 
but what could I possibly say to him that would make him interested in me? What, what could I give him that would make it worth his time? Remember those limiting beliefs we talked about? Mm-hmm. But as he came on stage, I still took action. I got out of my seat and I ran down the side of the room before anybody else could talk to him. I wanted to be the first one. I didn't know what I was going to say to him yet. I still took action. Mm-hmm. And when I got in front of him, I didn't tell him my stack rankings or how many president's clubs trips I had been on. I said, thank you. Jay, my name's Jeff Woods. First and foremost, thank you. I've never heard of your book, quite honestly, up until now. But over the last hour, you blew my mind. And I want to become a megaphone for you. I want to shout from the rooftops and get as many people as possible to buy your book. I happen to have a podcast where I can do that. How can I interview you so I can get you more exposure for your book? Now, let me ask you, did it sound like I was asking for a favor or did it sound like I was trying to give value? You're giving value, man. I was giving value. Of course, I wanted to be in relationship with the guy, but I, get, I also understood that you have to give in order to receive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that began the relationship. And at the end of that interview, I said, what are you working on? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for anything. I asked how I could help him again. He said, we're always looking for exposure. So I got him booked on a bunch of other podcasts. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article in entrepreneur.com without even telling him promoting the book. I started blasting it all over social media without even telling him as a way to add value. That's three times, by the way, three value exchanges in his direction. And when I saw him retweeting my tweets, I retweeted to him again and said, what are you working on? How can I help you? And he said, Gary and I are looking for a CEO for a new company. And I said, interesting. I'm a super connector. I know a lot of really talented individuals. Let's talk so I can see if there's anybody in my Rolodex that might be a fit. Mm -hmm. Trying to add value. Mm -hmm. And when we got on the phone and he told me what they were looking for, I realized that it was not a single person in my Rolodex that was the fit. It was me. Mm -hmm. At that moment, I threw my name in the hat and made the first ask I had ever made of him. Will you consider me? Hmm. I'm just giving you that space because that my friend Jeff is amazing here's here's why I share this with you Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to the story that we tell ourselves because we all tell ourselves a story of who we are what our worth is what we can accomplish what we can't accomplish we impose these limiting beliefs on ourselves truth is they're all excuses Mm. so get into action be the type of person that comes from value narrow your focus down to the things that matter most and execute on those first and everything else is a threat you start to do this stuff watch what happens Mm. and it all all came about because you stepped up you ran down that aisle and you asked Right? And you didn't ask for him to do you something, but you, you asked him, what can you do to help him and what his, he needs or they need? Well, I'll go back even further. And it all happened because I witnessed a colleague have a stroke and because I got a 40% pay cut. Those moments in our life where we tell ourselves the story that it was something bad that happened to us, when really what it is, is a defining moment in the making. You look at a caterpillar that transforms into a butterfly. It's not like it just claps its hands and all of a sudden, poof, it's a butterfly. 
No, it wraps itself in a cocoon and then it goes through a process of struggle. Because if you were to watch footage of a caterpillar trying to break out of that cocoon, it expands and the cocoon starts to crack. And then it expands a little bit more and it breaks, but it's failing. It can't get it out. It's, it's just too strong. There's too much resistance, yet it expands and it starts to break out and it finally pops a wing out, but it keeps pushing. It can't break out. It's enduring the resistance until finally, boom, it breaks out and it is transformed. Wayne Dyer said, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. Hmm. What are the things in your life that you are currently looking at as negatives, as resistance? You're going below the line, saying, go, blaming other people, going to shame, trying to justify the reason for why you are what you are, or the situation that you are in, when really that doesn't mean shit. You could turn it around and use it as fuel. Realize it's a defining moment in the making. Thank God my income got slashed because if it hadn't, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Jeff, man, I'm just blown away, right? With all this wisdom that you're sharing here. And it pains me, Jeff, that we got to start wrapping up the show. And, you know, and when we start wrapping up the show, we go into what I call the quick fire question rounds. And that's where, you know, we usually start off with my signature question, which is my favorite question. And I think I already know the answer from what our conversation is, but I want to ask it anyway. It's, you know, if you could, go back to any moment in your life, Jeff, and talk to little Jeff and give him a piece of advice that you know today. I'd love to know when would you go back to him? What would you tell him? Uh, I'd go back to elementary school because, you know, elementary school, junior high, um, I did face some bullying, uh, not, not terribly, but uh, when I think back to that period of my life, they're not positive thoughts. And what I would share with little Jeff is recognizing that that struggle is going to be one of my greatest strengths because while it sucks to not be accepted now, while it sucks to, to not necessarily be happy to feel like you're alone, mm-hmm. recognizing that you're growing a thick skin, recognizing you're learning grit. You're learning how to persist until you succeed. You're learning to cast your own vision and not be a sheep that tries to blend in, but you're trying to be a voice, not an echo. Mm-hmm. And to tell myself to be hypercritical of the people I surround myself with and the content that I consume because that brain that's in between those two ears is very impressionable. You can cast any vision for your life that you want. You can form any set of beliefs that you possibly want, but it's a choice. Hmm. Choose wisely. Awesome, Jeff. Next question I have for you is... I know you read a lot of books and, you know, there's a lot of great books out there. I want to ask you here is, you know, if someone wants to be focused on managing their time better, right? What is the one book you would recommend for them to read? Well, I mean, unfair question, but even, well, actually fair question, because you know what, even if I wasn't in business with Gary and Jay, I would still recommend the one thing because I was a fan before I ran the company, Mm -hmm. but it's the highest rated business book of all time. Hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> so um, there you go. How can you go wrong with that, right? Yeah. Oh. I, Pat, Pat Flynn said if there was one book, I forget the exact quote he said, but basically if there was one book I could read twice, it would be the one thing. <laughs> uh, I love Pat Flynn as well. 
last, last question I have here for you, Jeff, is, you know, you surrounded yourself with, you know, five, if not more key mentors, key guide, uh, guides or, you know, influences that really impacted your life and, and changed to the person who you were back then to who you are today. And so through all of the, those interactions, I'm sure you would have got a lot of advice. And yeah. so what is the one piece of advice that still sticks with you today, Jeff? Uh, and it's not even a piece of advice that was given. It was what I watched being done. Okay. When I suddenly got into the room with people who I perceived to be heavy hitters, people who, frankly, I was pinching myself like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in the room with these people. I'm just little old me. Uh-huh. I noticed something really interesting. The most successful people didn't show up looking to get. Mm. They showed up looking to give. I realized very early on that the most successful people, when they were in networking situations, when they were interacting with other people, they weren't asking for things. Mm. They were asking how they could help other people, the value they could bring. And it struck me so deeply. And I started doing it. Mm. until it became a habit to the point where even subconsciously when I show up in the world in my bones I am wondering how can I bring value Mm. you asked me before we pressed record what questions did I have and what did I ask you nothing I said who's your audience what's the most value I can bring to them yeah sorry (laughs) my mind slipped there for a second yeah yep I just I don't even have to think about it. You ask me, what are my questions? Like, I want to know who the heck is listening to this. What is the most value I can possibly bring to these people? Because mm. I'm about to invest my most valuable resource in the entire world, my time mm-hmm. in you, the person who is listening. I want to know who you are and make sure that you get an ROI for your investment. That's it, man. That's, that is the single thing that I have just taken. And, um, when I have embodied it mm-hmm. and come from value, I have enjoyed incredible riches, not in the, necessarily in the form of finances, but in the form of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And when I have strayed away from coming from value, I have ultimately faced resistance and realized that I was marching toward a destination of regret. Mm-hmm. Come from value. Yeah. Awesome, Jeff. And so, Jeff, as we wrap up the show here, I just want to add one last question. We covered so much. We covered so much here on this show. I want to check in with you. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to add that we didn't get a chance to cover on the show today? Sure. Um, look, honestly, like, the, the one thing is a must-read, and I'm saying that as a fan, not as, not as uh, the person who runs that company. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of talk around how many books do you read? Oh, I read a book a week. I'm reading a book a day. Like, awesome. I listen to Audible at 3x speed. Okay, cool. How much are you mastering? Mm. This is the first time in my life where I realized if I was going to be the face of the one thing, I had to commit to mastering the one thing. I'm a year and a half in. I am so far away from that. But to narrow my focus down to one book to truly deconstruct it, to wrestle with it on a daily basis, to commit to the road to mastery is where I've truly seen the exponential growth. And so I would suggest people pick a book. People 
pick a podcast. People pick some type of content and go deeper instead of going wider. Really interesting when you actually start to implement it because that's when that's when you get extraordinary results. Oh, Jeff, I love it, man. And this has been such an insightful chat and I love everything that you've been sharing here because it's all true. It's all true. I've gone through this. I've experienced it as well. And so if people want to learn more about your work, where's the best place they should head to, Jeff? Sure. So um, the best thing is the One Thing Podcast. You're already listening to podcasts. I looked up, and this is, this is a testament to applying the focusing question. I looked up at the beginning of this year and I said, what's the one thing I can do to add value? such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And the answer was the One Thing Podcast, because people read the book, it changes their life, but they need that dose on a weekly basis moving forward. And this was my opportunity to document my journey of wrestling with mastering the book and building a true empire on the back end of it. So that's a great resource. Our website's theonething.com. Yeah, there you go. Awesome, Jeff. Man, I just want to say thank you again for your time and just opening up and sharing your wisdom and spending your most valuable resource here with me and the fans today, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it, brother. Awesome. And guys, this wraps up another episode of the Forge Your Life podcast here today with the man from The One Thing, Jeff Woods. And I know this. Jeff knows this as well, and I know he hasn't told me this, but he wants this to go out there. We can't keep this inside anymore. This needs to be shared out there. So make sure you head over to iTunes to rate the show so that we can share his message and everyone else who has been on the show here today. And of course, guys, you can get, go on over to richardfood.com to get all the show notes and resources Jeff has shared here today. And remember, guys, go out there, go live with love and go smash it. Now, see you again in the next one. You've been listening to the Forge Your Life podcast with Richard Fu. Remember to head on over to richardfood.com for more information and subscribe.